The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tarano. Uh, good evening and welcome back to Streetwise. Uh, my guest this evening, he's sitting in front of me, but he's not going to come on for a couple of more minutes because I'm going to discuss a couple of the, some of the high uh, things that are going on in this country and locally and, and, and internationally. Uh, but I, I'm going to mention his name so this way you you don't hang up on the phone and don't change the station. Uh, so that be my guest in a few minutes, Bishop David Maldonado. He's an NYPD, New York City police officer, clergy liaison. And, you know, sometimes I talk to my guests and they say, what don't you want me to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? And he said he's an open book. In his case, it's the Bible. So he'll come on uh, in a few few minutes. But I want to talk about uh, the public service announcement. You know, back in 1970, a New York City Transit police officer was chasing a suspect at the uh, 50th Street uh, subway station. And the bottom line, they ran through uh, Times Square. There was a shootout. The police officer lost his life. Life. The suspect also lost his life. Thank God. I'm going to say that in front of my guests. And uh, so there's a there's a special memorial service for him. Uh, first of all, this transit NYPD transit police officer Michael Melichoni, who's only 29 years old, and uh, he had his, his he had a two-week-old baby at home, so it was a terrible uh, tragedy. I recall that because the, uh, the suspect who ran from the uh, transit uh, police officer ran through Times Square, commandeered a cab, and uh, shots were fired all over the place. The precinct responded. The cab was shot up. Uh, a cab next, cab driver next to this particular cab he was he was shot, but he was he, he uh, survived. There was a minor injury. The suspect was shot in the back seat of the uh, taxi cab. Unfortunate that uh, New York City Transit Police Officer Michael Melanchoni lost his life in the line of duty. Anyway, the event is this Monday. Uh, no, it's not this Monday. It's Monday, September 10th. Correct me. Monday, September. 10th at 11 a.m. at the 50th Street subway station. And that's on 50th Street and Broadway. They're going to serve lunch. And uh, so uh, if you're interested in, in, uh, in you know, as being a guest, a lot of law enforcement officers are going to be there. You can contact uh, a phone number that I'm going to give you now. So please write this down if you're interested in He's saying some nice words about uh, police officer, transit police officer Michael Melitroni, uh, who made the ultimate sacrifice. The phone number is 646-431-8668. That's 646-431-8668. And that's uh, Monday, September the 10th, 11 a.m. Now, they got a big area down there at the uh, 50th Street uh, subway station at uh, Broad, Broadway. So try to, all you law enforcement guys, 
you know, that are in the city, try to make it down there. I'm going to try to make it if I can. All these different events, uh, it's, it's hard to be all over, but this is a, a special one. Also want to pay tribute to Senator John McCain. Um, John McCain served two terms uh, in the House, which is a, that means he was a congressman, and two terms in the U.S. Senate. We all know that he was a prisoner of war for five and a half years in Vietnam. Uh, I have to say this, controversial person, uh, maverick as, as they say, uh, I, I got to say this, there's some things that, and who am I? But there were some things I, I weren't happy about what he'd done, and I thought there was sort of a, you know, I'm, I'm a little conspiracy guy, and I thought he intentionally, my, not my guess, I'm saying this, I thought John McCain intentionally lost the race to uh, Barack Hussein Obama because he, he really uh, won the first debate, you know. There was no comparison uh, with somebody who did 23 missions in Vietnam, shot down, was a prisoner for five years, and Barack Obama, uh, if you saw a television, uh, he fell off his bicycle a couple of times. He couldn't even open his umbrella coming out of the building. His Secret Service had to help him uh, open up an umbrella. And they were trying to make a comparison that uh, you were talking about capable people. I, I just, uh, uh, he fell off his bicycle, couldn't open an umbrella. And uh, how can you criticize somebody who uh, spent five and a half years in the military, 21 years altogether in the, in the service. And, uh, we, yeah, we lost him the other day. Uh, you know what, in, in my mind, because I've been in law enforcement for, as they say, five decades, a little suspicious about that. I think he might have been, hey, uh, sort of a Manchurian candidate, you know, brainwashing, as they say, and uh, Stockholm Syndrome, if you know what that is. If you, you capture so many times, you connect and you relate to them. And uh, so, because there was, he was controversial with pretty much of a lot of people in the Congress and the Senate, but then that's good, too, because he didn't, he didn't fall in step, you know, with the rest of the senators, and he went where I, I guess his head took him to. But I was really surprised he lost because I said, if every veteran in the United States of America, they vote, he has to win no matter who he wants to get. So, that, again, that's, uh, I, you know, when you talk about people in the Senate, I'm going to be a little critical because they made a comparison. Barack Obama, Hussein, who, by the way, he only voted for the first time and uh, not the second time, definitely not the second time. And I did it for many reasons that some of many of you did as well. So, uh, yeah, they say, well, what's his background? He was in the Senate. Do you know he had the worst, had the worst attendance record in the Senate, Barack Hussein Obama? Uh, voted present. That means if, if somebody makes a suggestion, you vote yay or nay, you vote present. That means you're there. And he had the, he had the worst record. Never submitted any legislation. So what I'm doing, I'm making a comparison about, you know, people that you, you think should be our president. You know, well, I, well look, I got sucked in the first time, too. Because I, I did think it was about time that we had, you know, a person of color like, you know, I don't think about the family yet. They're going to get mad at me, especially as a Me Too group. But uh, not yet, you know. And that may begin. We get an outstanding candidate, and that may happen. Even Bush, they made fun of uh, George Bush. Uh, not capable. But you know what? He flew a jet, a fighter jet. Now, come on, think about that. How are you going to compare 
people, and again, I'm going to bounce back to Barack Obama. Some people are going to get angry at me, you know, but who cares at this stage of the game, uh, you know, for being critical of him for his Senate record. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I just thought, uh, that John McCain would have been a controversial president. So maybe it was good he didn't win because I'm a little suspect of him. Uh, there might have been a, you know, sort of a conspiracy, I'm going to say, and that was orchestrated for him not to win, uh, you know. So again, but I do have to say this. You have to give Senator John McCain a hero's, a hero's acknowledgement before he was uh, a prisoner of war for five and a half years. He flew 23 missions. Who the heck has done that? So no matter how controversial and suspect I was of, or am of him, I should say, the guy flew 23 bombing missions, and then he got shot down. You can't make no comparison. All right, now... Talking about, spoke about John McCain, talking about the other event. Tomorrow, today, by the way, oh, today in New York City, you can smoke a joint on the corner. So it's, it's legal. And you, you're going to get a summons, maybe. And uh, the reason is uh, jails are overcrowded. Now, they also want to eliminate cash bail, you know, for people that are arrested. So what does that mean? Uh, no cash bail. So we're putting more criminals back out. We're putting more criminals out on the street. But getting back to the marijuana, it's a gateway. I know it's a gateway. Before I walked, before I walked the beat in Brooklyn, in the Lower East Side, I walked the beat in the city jails. I spent five years in the city jails of New York. Bronx Jail, La Tumba, which is the Manhattan House of Detention, right? When an inmate comes in, you ask them, uh, are they your drug addicts? They tell you yes. And you ask, and in my time, uh, 99% were heroin users and using the hypodermic instrument. So, uh, some, some cocaine, but it was heroin. And when you interviewed them, uh, you would ask them what was their first drug. 100% folks, it's in the records, check the books. 100% said marijuana, and you're going to tell me it's not a gateway, you know? So, all right, some people can handle it. I, I do agree with that, you know, but if you want a bunch of stone people out in the street, you know, it's going to happen. First, I got to tell you this. Uh, nobody was going to jail anyway for smoking a joint in the corner. The cops, I have to say this, with all due respect to the police department, it's not worth their aggravation to lock somebody up for doing weed, you know, out in the street. It doesn't make sense. So to say it's legal now, it's, it's going to let young children read about this, see it. They're going to think it's okay. So uh, maybe my guest, the, uh, uh, the Bishop uh, Maldonado, might want to talk about that when he comes on. We'll see, because I know it's going to affect some young people passing that legislation. Now, I, I, you know, I, I can't understand Governor... Andy Cuomo, I'm, I'm not the only one. So he, a uh, couple of things. If you watch him, and the many other candidates running for office, if you watch him, you, you how do I say this? He's not running for governor or re-election in the state of New York. 
he's running against Donald Trump. Every single commercial. I'll tell you what, it's a great political strategy. It's a diversion. A diversion, and I'll tell you what the diversion is. Everybody out there knows what the diversion is. He wants to take the focus off his record. What's his record? I'll tell you his record. Real estate taxes went up in the city. We got an opiate epidemic. MS-13, not going to blame it on him, but the buck, the buck stops here, like Harry Truman said, uh, and even Ed Koch said. Uh, City Hall, this is where it all starts and this is where it all ends. He doesn't want to talk about that, you know. And the worst thing that he's saying is that if Donald Trump should decide to pardon you know, uh, I'm going to get their names in a minute. Manafort and, and Cohen, the attorney and uh, associate of him, because they've both been, uh, I guess, both been indicted. If he pardons the two of them, or one of them, right, he's going to accuse Donald Trump of committing a criminal act, and he wants to use that uh, to do an start, which has already started, an impeachment against Donald Trump. Do you know what, do you know what, Andy Cuomo did this year. He approved the pardon of three cop killers. You imagine that? He approved, I'm going to repeat it, the pardon of three cop killers, the families, uh, one of the police officers in particular. I had his wife there and his two daughters sitting where my guest is going to be sitting in front of me in a moment trying to oppose the parole. Uh, law enforcement tried to opposed the parole of three cop killers, and they, by the way, they were assassinated. They weren't just killed and involved, you know, in, in the, say, in the, in the previous felony, a stick-up of a store or a bank or something. They bushwhacked, they assassinated these three individuals who Andy Cuomo approved pardon. You imagine that? But he's telling Donald Trump, if you try to pardon that, we're going to try to impeach you. Well, why don't we impeach, impeach the governor? Because if you're going to allow three people that can think and have killed police officers, where the heck are you? Where do you stand? Where are you, ladies and gentlemen, the taxpayers? Where do you stand? If you can get away killing a police officer, hey, what can I tell you? So I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up as much as I could, how he can, he can approve the pardon of three cop killers and oppose the Potential, potential, we don't know if it's going to happen, uh, two people that are involved with uh, Donald Trump, uh, if he approves their, uh, I guess, approves their, uh, their criminal act, uh, their indictment or whatever, or their sentencing, you know. And, and, and I'm talking about uh, his, uh, Donald Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, who, by the way, I want to talk about this, you know. Yeah, he made a deal. He made a deal. They call it hush money. You know, when you make a deal, when there's an accusation against you, it's not hush money. It's a confidential disclosure. It's an agreement between both people, and it's a non-disclosure, confidentiality. Somebody should get locked up for exposing this to the press because you signed that and you accept money for it. So, and then you come out and say that you, you, uh, in other words, it has to do with Donald Trump. Prior to his marriage, he was going with some showgirls or whatever. And who knows if Donald Trump's going to uh, pardon Michael Cohen or or uh, Paul Manafort 
who uh, was indicted for tax fraud charges. I don't know what tax fraud charges has to do with uh, Russian collusion, because there is no Russian collusion to start with. So they're trying to include Paul Manafort, former first campaign manager for Donald Trump. Uh, and, yeah, he is uh, guilty of uh, tax fraud, but it's way before he was involved with Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with the election, no connection to Russian collusion. So Andy Cuomo, who's running for re-election for governor of the state of New York, what the hell is he talking about? This has nothing to do with that. But, again, it's a great diversion. And, by by the way, it's not a crime. Confidential non-disclosures agreements is common, and I know that because I was the chief New York City Sheriff's Department. It's civil. It's not criminal. It's a civil thing. The criminal part comes in that I think, from my background, is the person that discloses it, and that's the, the females that disclose that they made a deal to keep quiet. So the other ones should be prosecuted. But but, but they are prosecuted. They'll start, of course, they'll... Uh, they lay it on uh, Donald Donald Trump. You know, there's also another race, a big race going on uh, in the state of New York, and that's uh, Attorney General. And you got uh, Zephyr Teach out, who, by the way, who ran against uh, Andy Cuomo. Uh, I guess the last election, she was a guest. Um, she was sitting here in the studio. She was uh, one of my guests. And public advocate, Latina James. And Alicia Eve, she's an attorney. She's been in politics. And Representative Patrick Maloney, who's a congressman. They're all running for attorney general now. And if you watch the debate between them, it's a Democratic primary. And they have the debate. Each and every one of them is targeting Donald Trump. Again, it's, it's so, I, I tell you, it's so funny. It's ridiculous. They're running for attorney general of the state of New York, you know. And if you watch it, like I am, you would think they were running against Donald Trump. Now I'm gonna—I have to ask my guest when he comes on what, he, what does he think of this being a uh, a bishop? I, you know, I was watching one of the candidates uh, who I mentioned running for attorney general. They still have to run against the Republican candidate. By the way, they're running in the primary, which I think could be next week. I was watching this uh, congressman, Representative Patrick Maloney, and one of the questions, which would be a question that if he was here, I would ask him also. If you are a United States congressman, why would you want to run for attorney general of the state of New York? And you know what his answer was when he was asked that? He said, this is Representative Patrick Maloney. He said, well, I had a discussion with my husband. And we decided that we want to be closer to home. I got to tell you this. Never get my vote just on that opening line. I tell you that. Whether you want to call me homophobic, homophobic, whatever the heck it is, uh, you can. But we've come, I don't know where we've come where somebody could actually say that. But hey, listen, it's, it's, it's the times, it's the world. But again, every one of them, it looks like they're running against Donald Trump. And even Cynthia Nixon was a call-in guest on my show back. I forget what she was. I think it's when she was doing uh, Sex in the City. I had a couple of young ladies call in as a guest. And, uh, again, her and Andy Cuomo, you would think they're both running for President of the United States of 
America, you know. I'm going to take a break in a minute, but I just want to say this. Another suspicious death involving the Clintons. Now, there was a young lady, a reporter, I don't even want to mention her name, you know, and she had just gave a report or did an investigation on Bill Clinton for allegedly allegedly raping a young boy. She presented that to the FBI two weeks later. She's found DOA in the hotel suicide. Her family is saying, they don't know what she was doing in the hotel, and she wouldn't be the person to commit suicide. Anyway, the Capitol Police that were involved uh, chalked it off as suicide. Another suspicious death, uh, again, connected to the Clintons. I'm going to take a break now, and uh, then I'm going to come back with my guest. Don't go away. Great guest, Bishop Maldonado. So, who's going to do what? Flashlights? Nowhere to be found. Emergency supply kits? Not packed. What about blankets? We have an old towel. Cell phones? May not work. Emergency water? Not a drop. Perfect. We all know where we're meeting if we're separated. The library! Jones house. The bus stop. And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Great. It sounds like we don't have a plan. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov slash kids for tips and information. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. We're back. I'm back with my, uh, oh, I'm going to get a little spiritual now. My, my guest, I'll tell you, I watched him doing invocation and the benediction uh, last week at an event in Brooklyn, Sabaro Hall, uh, paying tribute to uh, Carmen and Michael Brianna, who lost their daughter, uh, you know, and, and we, they were, the politicians were, got a great law across Brianna's law, and Michael and Carmen were in the studio here. And uh, so... Uh, Bishop Michael, I'm sorry, David Maldonado, Carmen and Michael were here, uh, did a great opening, I call it prayer, of course it's an invocation, and uh, anyway, I want to welcome, a uh, pleasure to welcome Bishop David Maldonado to Streetwise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lou, thank you for having me. Okay, how did I ask you, you're a pretty young guy, and you like me, you got a lot of children out there, so it, just makes, it brings back memories, but thank God they're memories, so, uh, but, but speaking of thank God, how did you find God? Well, I found God about 15 years ago, uh, you know, I had a past, my past was uh, out in the streets and mm. doing things that I'm not proud of, but I'm an open book about it, and uh, I ended up in jail real quick. And my case was dismissed. And after that, I decided to uh, give my life to God and be a family man wow. and do things right. Okay. Now, you, you inherited an organization from your dad. Um, right? It's the organization. 
his name. I think he's the founder of your dad, David yes. Maldonado Sr., right? Yes. And the organization is? Las Maravillas del Exodo, the Wonders of Exodus. Um, I didn't inherit. inherit it. I should say you. Well, well, I shouldn't say inherit because you're still around. I'm thank still God. around. And, and he's still, still around. around. Thank God. I mean, it's okay. Yes, family, I'm, family business. Yeah, well, I don't call it a business because it's a church. I don't, we, you know, we don't profit off of the people. I know. So I do not call it a business. Um, but we're there for the community. My dad right. is a senior pastor. I'm a senior pastor and the apostle. I'm the bishop of the house. Right. Again, he's the uh, senior apostle and you were the bishop. Yes. The what is that? And uh, you had mentioned uh, Pentecostal. Pentecostal? Yes, that's, that's what it is. You know, some people you know, would might ask you, what's the difference between Pentecostal, Lutheran, or or different types of? Is it like, would that be considered sort of Protestant? No, okay. uh, I, I people call it different names. Correct. As long as you believe in God and Jesus, okay, you're good. You're I, Christian. I, I, you're I, a Christian. I don't go through. I don't go through all of that. As right. long as you believe in God and, and Jesus, right, we're fine. Well, that's what we see in you because you you, you accept anyone that accepts God. Everyone. I, I but, consider myself a multicultural uh, bishop. I, I accept know. everyone. I love everyone. Right. But that's a good business. What's wrong with well, that? I, I, I don't mean, consider it I, a business. I know what I mean. Business is the <laughs> definition of it. It's what you're involved in. Right. What you do for what you do for a living. And in your case, you love what you do and you love God. Amen. So, uh, amen. Amen to that. You know, you were very helpful uh, with Michael and uh, Carmen Ojeda in regard to the daughter and uh, and I know I got to compliment you because my understanding is you do get involved in similar events like that and you help a lot of people out and uh, uh, what's the feeling that you have because I I've watched you at this event because I, I you know I just do I do observations of course not most people but still and I saw uh, you're sincere and you're for real you know in other words the politicians you could read them. You know, we're not going to talk about politicians because we don't want to talk about it. I don't do politics. Pol okay, but they do. And, <laughs> and you can see the difference. And somebody that goes up there, and one of them made a sort of a, oh, he, he was close to doing uh, invocation, I, I guess, you know, the borough president of Brooklyn. And he, he surprised me because he was a little spiritual, which I did I did like. And some of it were, seemed for real. But when you come on, you are 100% sincere, right? How, now, not everybody can do that. I have to ask you this. How, did, how does that come about? The average person, like, we all believe in God, I hope, many of us do, but how do you do it with, uh, how do I say it, uh, from your heart? Well, you have to rehearse a lie, and the truth is not, you don't rehearse it. Mm. So whenever you come out with the truth from your heart, it just comes out. Remember, a lie, you have to rehearse it. A lie, you have to go back and read papers to see right. what you're going to state or what you're going to say. Uh, I say it from the heart because it's the truth. If it wasn't from the heart, I wouldn't be there. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Now, one thing you did, you mentioned that you were you were locked up and planned that you were incarcerated, and then you seen the light, not to be corny. Right. But you did, right? And now... You're going back and you're helping people that who are incarcerated. Let's talk about that. You go to the jails, right? Right. And you try to let them see the same light, so to speak. Uh, how does that come about? Well, I, I have a big understanding in church and the people that are outside of church. The people that are inside of church are already save, quote unquote, mm. and we're here to save or try to save the people who are sick. 
just like Jesus did. Uh-huh. And now, you know, we have the, an opportunity to go into the jails and speak to those who are behind bars and let them know that we experiment similar situations, but there's a God out there who had mercy and was able to take us out of all of that. And now what we do is give back to our community and to those that we took for granted. Do you find that uh, some of the people that you spoke to, let's talk about, first of all, what, what jails have you visited? Well, uh, we've gone to um, Rikers, which has been the only one at this point in time. And we go, we've been there about two or three times to preach the word. And, mm. you know, when they allow, because now they have this big uh, situation going on in Rikers and where they want to close it. So it's been a little bit difficult to go back up there. But, uh, you know, we've, we've been up there two or three times, and it's amazing. What hurts me the most is that I, I have a free pass to go in and right. come out. <laughs> I'm free. But what hurts me the most is that when you finish giving these people the word, they stay right in there. Right. And sometimes I wish that they can transform and be released to society. But I understand that if you do the crime, you have to pay the time. Right. I understand that. You agree with that? And I, yeah, I, I agree with it. But you you got to deal with the systematics of the individual, and some of these people do not do not have a choice in what's going on in this out the outside world. Why don't they have a choice? Well, some what? some of these people don't have a choice because they don't have someone to not. I don't want to say cater, but someone to mentor them, mentor them. Correct. Into the right field. Remember, it starts at home. Yeah. It starts at home, and some people are living a cycle, which Correct. is crime, crime, crime. Revolving door. Revolving door. Some people are benefit to find themselves a mentor, and they get them out that cycle. But at the end of the day, it's just a cycle that we all need to join forces and you know try to mentor these people. Well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's statistics show that. There were so many kids out there that didn't have no father figure, which you know, right? right. That you and I are fortunate we had father figures. And cool. I was born in the Lower East Side, and I've seen kids who are living with grandma. Like today, it's the same thing. Born, I mean, raised by grandma, and there's no father figure. Their father figure is the gangs out in the street, you know, out there that they hang out with. So, uh, it's hard to get to them because they, they really, how do I say that? These kids don't know any, know any better. So it's, 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 it's kind of rough. So it's rough for you. Have you made any contact with some, do you deal with just any age, young people, or does it make a difference? All ages I deal with. And, and this starts at home like you just finished stating. The, the most important thing that has been missed in the household is uh, the table right. where you sit down and you eat. Great. Uh, without the cell phones, um, at, you know, interacting with your children, interacting with your family members, and, and finding out how was their day. This is gone. Uh, now, few few children go to church. That's mm. gone. Back in the days, everybody went to church, even whether it was on Sunday. Um, all of that has been lost, and this is why we are here now with the crimes the way they are, right. and people are being, uh, you know, just unsensible to human rights. They don't care. They want to see blood run. And we need to go back to the old school in order to 
revert all right. the situation that is going on. Now, were you up there in the Bronx with me, with Junior? With the, uh, no, no, I was I, I you, was Oh, you missed that it. Day. That's I right. You it missed it. Day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was up there with Carmen and Michael. We talked about Ojeda and uh, Clark Pena. Great, Clark Pena, yes. Great. Good friend of mine. Well, uh, he's like a good friend of all of us. He's like a, a great activist. Yes. No, actually, uh, advocate. Advocate. Activist, act up. Exactly. <laughs> Very, and, and, he, and he does a, a great job and... Uh, and he was here also uh, recently. But uh, that's another thing that he, he gets involved like you and all these different worthwhile causes. But I, when, when you go to the jail, because I've got some of the experience there, a lot of times they just want to do something different. They say them, the inmates. So they'll just go and listen. You know, some of them just, just to do something, they'll go, they'll go to a church setting, or, you know, which you know, mm -hmm. right? Years ago when they had... Uh, they had the AAA coming into the jails, and they, they and they had a big audience because the AAA people would give them cigarettes, right? You know? so that pulls up pulls up the, uh, the the audience. That's a business. Yes, that, so See, that, that's that's what we're talking about. That's very, a business. That's a different type of thing. <laughs> so I, I don't know, and uh, it, it, I, it's I guess somewhere if you could. What's the older saying? If you could reach one person, you have the game. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. All you need is one person to lend you an ear. Because right. if that person uh, lends you the ear, he can go back and talk to the rest. Remember, um, the way to reach someone is not entertaining them, but talking to them for what they know. Just like you stated, you can look at someone and understand if they're faking it or not. Mm. So when they understand that you more or less come from the same lifestyle and you're free, they will listen to you. Right, and I talk about that, and some, you know, and I, you know, there was a little story written about me when I ran for Congress. You didn't. We talked about that when you were on your way here, and uh, to me, it's a nostalgia question because it has to do with what I mentioned with Anthony. We know, most of us know, and I was the first candidate to run against him back in 1998. I don't know if you and your family were born. So, <laughs> 19 what? 98. Of course, <laughs> I know. So uh, it's 20 years ago, but <laughs> but. Uh, but some of the things I, I, I did know about him, I knew then, but I, I couldn't come out and say because they would say, "Yeah, look at this guy; he's just uh, right creating stuff." So, uh, but uh, what was my point with that? I was trying to. Uh, so he, but you know, it's a strange, strange thing with that. But the point was that in the story that was written up about me is that uh, how you can in this country. Now I was born in New York's Lower East Side in the tenement building, not in the projects. In a tenement building, we had no elevator, and my mom had to walk a five flights, flights of stairs carrying groceries. Wow. So we lived in a different era, and I can tell people this. I recall on Madison Street, the bathroom was in the hallway, and four families had to use the same bathroom in the winter. And in this cold winter, the hallway, there was no heat in the hallway because it would cost the landlord money, so you only had to eat in the apartment. Wow. So we had to wait on line, you know. In the cold, going to school, waiting, was shivering, you know. So my point is, is that which was written about me. Plus, to make a few bucks, nine years old, I'm shining shoes on Times Square. I brought my old shoe shine box, wow. and I was embarrassed carrying it because I was a ladies' man at nine years old. So I didn't want the girls to see me carrying the shoe shine box. So I stuck it in a potato sack, uh, Bishop Maldonado, and I I hid it and took it out of there. But the story was. 
Uh, you can be a shoeshine boy can run for Congress. Amen. I, I, I did not win, but at least I had that. I can say, well, I think back. I was shining shoes, and then I was able to run for Congress. Where else could you do What world, what country could you do this in, you know? And and that's that's why I get close to people like you, you know? Oh, God, yes, wow. because uh, people say, what does he know, white guy from Long Island, you know? What the hell does he know? Well, you have, but, you have history, and you went through the, pro, through the process, and you can talk about it. Nowadays, half of these kids do not know what process is. Mm. So it's easier for them to pick up a gun. It's easier for them to listen to a rap song or anything and or a video game and make them go out there and do what they feel like doing. So I personally think that we need to go back to those days where we can make it harder, but it'll be easier in the long run for them. Right. Like right now, my children, by God's grace... When we fly out to Dominican Republic, we, we try to instill in them to give. Right. So, like on a Christmas, while everybody's celebrating Christmas here, we fly out to Dominican Republic. Oh, nice. And in, in Dominican Republic, they, you know, it's not like here, everybody's getting gifts. What right. they celebrate is, you know, they, the food and, right. and things like that. So, they got to understand that it's not all about giving or receiving. Right. May I say, it's about giving, being right. there with the family, and, and just quality time. That the average uh, child does not know what quality time is because they're stuck on their computer, they're stuck on TV, and when their mother asks them something, they don't know what it is, but ask them something about the computer, Instagram, Facebook, Take they it, know it's, about it's that. It's amazing. I know, I know that it's it's amazing. But you touched on something very important before the the dinner table. No, which is gone because the kids, like you said, on the computer watching television, maybe not even home. The family does not sit together and have dinner anymore, like my time, you know. Or unless my father worked two or three jobs, it's kind of rough, and they did. And we, I would get a lot of education from dinner time, Yeah. you know, from just the discussions about different things. And, uh, you know, which is gone today because, again, there are... I hate this expression that they use. Mommy, daddy, daddy, my, my daddy's my baby daddy. I, you know, I, it's just mind-boggling. Oh, you know, boy. it's just, and it's becoming acceptable. You know, uh, okay. The worst thing you said, well, you know, my old neighborhood. They were saying, hey, you know, so and so's old man. He he skipped out. He skipped out. He went for the newspaper. Never came back. You know, so we uh, had that. You know, so, uh, but but at least they knew had an idea who their father was. But today, I, you know, it's a story. It's normal. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's gone. But why do you think it's gone? You're a pretty young guy. You're closer to it than I am. You know. Well, every, th there's a saying that everything that becomes frequent becomes the norm. Yeah. And and you forget. I'm just paraphrasing it, but you you forget about what was going on, and you're just going with the flow. So yes. nowadays, everybody's just going with the flow. I mean, if you ask me, everybody's a zombie out there, pretty much. Yeah. Now, we don't have the dinner table because now the apartments are too small to fit the dinner table. Mm. And they either choose a room or a dinner table. Right. And if they have the dinner table, they don't use it. I don't know if you remember, but when I was growing up in school, my teacher used to say, one moment, we're going to pray to God and just thank God for today. Mm. It was just a quick prayer. It wasn't about religion. It was just 
thank you, God, for this moment, this opportunity. She didn't do church. Right. She just blessed us at the moment. Let's just thank God for this opportunity that we're alive. Back in the days, that that's that was a norm. But now, they took that out of school. They took a lot of things out of school. Pledge right? of allegiance. Pledge, of, alle- pledge of allegiance. Yeah. In some places, it's, yeah. some kids don't even pledge. The other thing is that um, now our teachers are teaching moral skills to our children. You can't teach morals to mm. your child. Nobody should be teaching morals to my child. Right. If you live your life the way you want to live it, let my child be a, choose at the end of the day what they want to do when they grow up. Don't instill that into them. Morals are taught at home, yet they're there for education. And this is what we're missing in them. It's all screwed up. It is. So in plain English, you know, you talk about the, uh, just I have to say this because there's no pledge aside, no prayer in the school. And it was an open prayer because you could have people that were not Christians, they were Jewish. Right. And you could say, it was just a basic prayer. You're praying to the, the, the man or woman upstairs. Listen, you know? if, you believe so, in a, if you believe in a rock and that's what you want to pray for, yeah. that's what you want to pray to, I, I respect you. But, I believe everyone should be, be respected. And if, if, if you don't want to do that, well, you keep quiet. Let everyone well, else do what they have to do. Well, you know, you mentioned the Pledge of Allegiance. I just I have to uh, mention it before in the green room, you know, to your family or your wife mm-hmm. in particular. Is that they're doing a movie, a Canadian uh, actor is playing Neil Armstrong. You know, the first walk on the, on the moon, a human achievement, by the way, which we all know. And they're not going to show the American flag. How do you do that? I mean, I was just talking about it with your wife right there. That's how part the of history. How, it's how do you do, that's exactly. We're changing history. We're cha- that this is the issue. You, how is can you change something that happened? How can you change something that happened? But and they get, you know what? And they're getting away with it. I hate to say that. Whose you fault know? is that? Well, <laughs> I can't blame you. You can't blame me. You can't. So it's a bigger picture, and, yes. and somebody needs to put a stop to this. And at the end of the day, we should all live in peace and and. and and love one another. I know it's hard. Yes. But I am my brother's keeper. No longer that exists. Right. Back in the days when I was little, uh, the neighbors, if they saw me doing something wrong, they would go take me to my mother after spanking me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure you lived that era. Well, we did. We absolutely lived that era. But if you did something in the street, the cops didn't like it. The people didn't like it. What the cops would do, and this happened to me, the they would take you home yes. in front of your apartment building, and all the neighbors are sitting outside, right? Right. Right, on the stoops like we did in my day, and they would drop you out of the police car. You were afraid to go upstairs, or you afraid to go upstairs, and you're waiting for your father to come home from work, because he knew about the whole neighborhood. Oh, little long ago, the police dropped them off in front of the house. That was that an was, embarrassment. Now it's a goal. Oh, now if the cops drop you off in front of your building, wow! Yo, what you did? What happened? You're here. No, I got arrested. You know, and and they get patted in the back. I but know. back in the days, it was an embarrassment. Wow, exactly. But we have accepted this. Our parents going moving forward. Everyone right. else have accepted. It's become a norm. Mm. That's exactly right. You hit on it. It become a norm. That's become acceptable. Yes. That's the sad. Part of it now, Bishop David Maldonado Jr. uh, You work closely with the uh, police, and you're actually a a liaison Liaison, for the uh, NYPD. Yes, and you pretty much it looks like Brownsville that you've been doing a lot of work. 
correct? Well, uh, 75th precinct. 75th precinct. I'm, I'm one of the liaisons for the 75th precinct and also for One Police Plaza. Wow. And um, I work out of the five boroughs wherever I'm needed. Mm. And my job entails to bridge the gap between the community and the NYPD department. In, um, you know, when when the NYPD is is being their, the fingers being accused upon them. Correct. I, you know, I come out and, and ease the community and vice versa. But I'm here at the end of the day for what's right. And my job entails that, you know, sadly to say, when someone get killed, I'm that person to go to ring the doorbell alongside with an officer and, you know, let the parents know or the family know and, mm. you know, pray for them at the moment and give them words of wisdom that, you know, at the end of the day, when someone's dead, no one's listening to anything. Well, you know, uh, you just, we, in my time, uh, I didn't have anybody when I was a cop to go, some of you know, the clergy, like you, to go with me. That was a great, great thing today. I mean, to bring somebody, a spiritual person, uh, at, a, at that time, you know, to, to be with the police officer when the, they get that knock on the door. You know, so uh, how did that come about? Because that's only recent where where uh, luckily they have clergy liaisons, liaisons like you to go to the and, and, and bear the bad or terrible news. Bear the bad news, yeah. go to the hospital if an officer got shot, mm. pray for the officer. Um, hospital, you know, home. I mean, this is something that alongside of the NCO program, they started doing it. Uh, I personally think it's great because not only you get to know the rest of the community, but the community understands that you're a spiritual mentor, right. a spiritual advisor, and they don't confuse you like other people do. Like the word is snitching right. to the police, or no, that's it's not like that. It's being there for the community and being there also for the NYPD. Um, i tell you a quick story. This job came about uh, about seven years ago where I started ministry. And in the 75th precinct, something happened where an officer had hit someone off a bike. That's mm. just the way they were, they were saying the story. And in the 75th precinct, almost 3,000 bikers appeared. Well. And community affairs called me at the moment. Now this is a regular bicycle. No, no the motorcycle. Mo it is a motorcycle. Yeah, That's motorcycle. what. Okay. Um, and uh, they called me. I was on my way to church. It was is this a, this a biker gang? A, a well, biker you know, group? group? Bikers. The yeah. bikers. Right. The group. bikers. Because uh, there's there's clubs, biker clubs. Right. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to all the biker clubs that do mm. uh, do great jobs in the community. We have a couple of biker uh, groups that come out and help. Right. National night out. Yeah. Uh, not not everyone is bad. We have a bad apple in each. I was bunch. I was with them up in the Bronx with, oh, well, they, with Junior. They were uh, great. They and, were great. Yeah. So I, I just want to say for the record that the biker groups are out there helping. So kudos and shout out to mm. you guys. Um, by the way, they they ended up in the precinct, and I was on my way to church, and community affairs calls me. Says, uh, Reverend, where you at? I said, Well, I'm oh. on my way to church. He says, Well, oh. we have a situation here. Can you come by? Mm. So, I get there and I see all these bikers and all these people, 
So I get out the vehicle and I tell them, what seems to be the problem? He says, well, they're here, they're pretty mad, and, you know, we want them to disperse in, right. the, in a rightful manner. We know they're grieving and we don't want no issues. So I said, no issues. So I go to the mother, and lo and behold, one of the bikers I knew, and they were like, Rev, what you doing here? I says, well, I'm here to do a prayer, and after the prayer, we're all going to go home peacefully. Right. And let let the judge and let justice take its course. Right. And they were like, no problem. We, we, we'll do what you say. Right. So I prayed. I prayed with mom. Mom said a couple of words. Oh. And all 3,000 bikers dispersed wow. in a peaceful manner. And from there on in, I got called from the higher-ups. Right. And we need you on board. Very good. And nice. by God's grace, we've been working, working with the community, working with the NYPD. And we need to fix a couple of things. Right. But I know with time, it's being, it's going to be done. Shout out to the chiefs, Chief Harrison, the right. PC, and 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 all the other chiefs that are working for the benefit of the community. Because if it's not for the benefit of the community, this is all going to go oh. up a creek. Now, have you found since you're interacting with the police department, did you find a lot of the accusations again the police um pretty much exaggerated in other words what what the, they would accuse police of brutality and things like that racist and and, and uh, did you find uh what did you find in, in regard because people have a you know say well are you a cop do you, you you kick this and then you lock up your grandmother things right. like that so what did you find with your experience interacting with the police department well the police department does their job um when you're angry, you tend to exaggerate because you want your way. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I let justice take its course. I don't judge on no one. I don't point mm -hmm. the finger at the officer. I don't point the finger at the community. Right. I sit there and I listen and I pay attention and let justice take its right. course. Um, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just here to try to fix the situation. Or for us to try to fix the situation. Because remember, there's three sides to the story. It's your side, right. my side, and the truth. I don't have time to be in the middle of it. Right. So I let justice take its course and let the higher-ups deal with that. But right. at the end of the day, like mm. once again I say, in every bunch, there's a bad apple. And we need to start working with the CPR, which is courtesy, respect, and professionalism. Right. And take it to another level. When I say take it to another level, is which where the community is going to once again love the blue. Right. I remember a moment where, where we had beat walkers, and the beat walkers used to be in the corner store. They knew grandma. They knew everybody. Long gone. And if something went down on that block, they would defend the officers. Yeah. Why we can't go back to that time? My son, the other day, my son is five years old. I can tell you why. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. it's dangerous for a cop to walk a beat like I did in my time. I don't know why. I don't have a great answer. But I walked a beat in Brownsville and in Williamsburg by myself, midnight tour. I did all of that. You know, I responded to man with a gun by myself, a prowling on a roof by myself. I don't know how I did it. I mean, I, I think back. and cop. But I know a cop can't do that today. A cop can't do that today. It's dangerous today. It, I mean, it was always dangerous. It's, but, but for some reason, you have to have two cops. And even then, it's, uh, it could be difficult. I say that in your I say in your era was worse. 
if you ask. I, you, you know, what do you think? I, I, you know, it's, it's so hard. I, I, I was able to handle it. Maybe I, I don't know, and but, and I could think about the seventies. Two cops a year were getting murdered in my time. It was worse. Somehow it was worse. But yet today, uh, I, I guess the new breed of cops, and I hate to be critical of it, they, they can't connect. They can't connect with the community. Am I, am I sort why, of... Why? Why? I, I, training or they're not familiar? Well, I can say this from experience. In my time, the cops either were not going to go back. Because I was also... Remember, I was starting this business when I was in my 20s. Now, they were either Second World War vets, believe it or not, Korean vets, Vietnam, Gulf War, and now what's going on now? You got kids. And I'm going to say this, right? You got kids that worked in, in the supermarket from Long Island, right? And they go to NYPD. That's one of the reasons also. Yes. I mean, you have to agree. That, so that's, so it's, it's hard for them, you know. I could tell a story that I was helping some young people years ago, Long Island kids, and I was mentoring them. They wanted to become a cop, and they were home doing their studies. They came over my house, you know, from Mr. Talano. One of the kids and I had to laugh because I didn't even think about this. So... And he said, they're doing the academy many years ago. He says, hey, Mr. Tolano, I've never seen so many black people in all my life. And I had to bust out laughing because it's true. He's born and raised out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to put him in, in Bed-Stuy? I mean, so that's one of the uh, that's one of the issues, too. It makes it harder, I think. You know? so, so you agree that if you take the lion out the jungle and put him in the suburbs... Will he react it's, the same? It's, it's, again, everybody is different individuals. But it's you know, you can't take the country out of the country boy. You can't take Amen. the city, you know, things like that, you know. So how do we fix this? It's I don't want to be the one to decide it, and I don't know if you do. <laughs> but you're the liaison. I, I, I pray, I pray the, on it. Okay. I pray on it daily, and I pray to God that the higher ups can decide to do something. Right. Because we do need more connection with our community. It's it's unbearable right now, all these things that are going on, kids cursing at officers right. and disrespecting the officers. It shouldn't be that way, and you should have respect. At the end of the day, he has a badge and a gun. You should respect him, and they know, should respect you. See, that's probably one of the ingredients that are gone. I would be respected walking the beat. That's, that that's gone today. That's one of the things, you know. For whatever reason, is that people would obey orders. If you stopped them in the street, they would listen to you. Right. You know, and they would. And a lot of incidents happen today because, hey man, I don't want to talk to you. You're walking away from the cop, and that escalates. And I used that in the Gardner case in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. You know, because he walked away. And, they, you know, and it got out of hand. Obviously, it got out of hand in that case. Right? Whether, whether he walked away. And what are you going to do? You can't let him go away. No, no, no. I, I understand. But whether he walked away, whether he was wrong, whether he was right, no one deserves to die that way, just like Junior. Exactly. Junior did not, whether he's wrong, whether he was right, no one deserves yeah. to die that I way. let the audience know who Junior is. Ju Junior is uh, the young man, the 15-year-old, I'm not mistaken. The Bronx. Who, in the Bronx who died, who got massacred. Correct. Machete to death. Butchered. Yeah. Um approximately three months ago it's going to be about three months ago and they dragged him out the store and just 
He's, Sliced them up with machetes. He and, was a police explorer. And he was a police explorer. Yeah. I don't know if at the moment if he was active or not, but he was a police explorer. And no one deserves that, whether right. it was Gardner. Gardner did not deserve that. No right. one deserves to die a way that, you know, but, isn't just. Well, I, think. I agree with you. But the thing is, if... If I get, I get stopped like anybody else that I identify myself. Yeah, obviously I got a little benefit, but you know. Uh, but the thing is, years ago, if you said you, you seen somebody walking around three in the morning, you stopped them and you questioned them. They couldn't, you don't let them walk away from you. Oh, you, said, you know, you actually put them on the wall. Because right. it's three in the morning, you don't belong there, right? Right. If I go to a senior citizen where they was in Coney Island, with senior citizens live, I see an 18, 19 year old guy there at midnight. I'm going to search him, which you can't do today. You know? What you can do today, but remember that we're living in another era. Exactly. And at this moment, right now, at 1 in the morning, or later on, at 1 in the morning, people are coming out from a barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They're walking into their home. They're driving 2, 3 in the right. morning. I- I'm concerned about the uh, Monday. We're going to have the Caribbean uh, West Indian Day parade I- I- I'm in praying Brooklyn. as of now. I pray everything works out, and I pray my Caribbean people uh, enjoy their parade. It's it's overdue. Like when I say overdue, they deserve to celebrate. But let's celebrate and, and use good judgment. I, I know, but you know what's sad? Because I've been with it from day one. It's just it's the celebrating half a century. You know that, right? Uh-huh. It's 50 years now it's been going on. And I was a cop during those years. I have to, every, day, every year there was an incident, shooting or stabbing. You, you know, and, and you see, this is why wow. uh, we're running out of time. This is why I think we've got to revisit Stop and Frisk, because even the governor's aide was killed a couple of years ago, you know. And I think if they were to search those guys, it was the cops. I would understand cops knew they were gangbangers, but they were afraid to search them. Stop and Frisk for certain people was a certain, nightmare. And I know. And for others, it was a blessing. I, I, I it's understand. a catch-22. It, it is. But the thing is, they were saying only black and brown. Get searched, but only black and brown are the ones who are getting shot. You know, Bishop Maldonado. That's only, it's not a Polish kid, an Irish kid, an Italian kid, a Russian kid. It's a black kid or a Hispanic kid. That's the sad part. So I don't see, that's why uh, uh, they say it's a black and brown issue. I don't think so. I mean, it depends what neighborhood you work in, too. And you know, the cops know the guys were carrying the guns, but they got to leave them alone. That's, but I, again, it's a controversy. We're, never, we're not going to settle this. Anymore. I don't call it a black or Hispanic issue. I call it a, a, a human problem. It is a human problem. It's a human problem. But now we got all these I, these medicines but they coming say, out. But they say it's that's the reason why you can't do it anymore because a certain group of people are being targeted. Being targeted, no pun, by being killed as well. You know, uh, Bishop David Maldonado Jr. I want to thank you for being my guest, and I, you're going to meet. The master pastor soon, who's coming on after me. Amen. I want to quickly say uh, my quickly. wife and my family are out there. I'm ecstatic. This is the first interview that they were able to come out with me due to my children being in school. My wife always working, and I'm proud that my family's here with me. Great. I love you, Melina. Great family guy. Thank, Thank you. you. Bishop Maldonado Jr. Dave Maldonado Jr. Yes. Thanks for being my guest. Good luck and God bless. Thank you, my brother. Lou Talano, and I'll catch you later. been listening to Streetwise on the station that serves your community. 
WGBB AM 1240 and W240DF FM 95.9. Previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.